Hello everyone, welcome to the Lighthouse Church Sermon Broadcast. The title of our message today is, Is the Gospel Foolishness? The Gospel, or the Good News About Jesus, has been preached for more than 2,000 years, and it has transformed millions of lives. So we may think that after all of these years and all of these testimonies, that the message will be well established and well received. But this is not always the case. When we speak about Jesus today, we are likely to experience a wide range of responses. I think this is for two main reasons. Firstly, we find that different people believe different things about Jesus. So they respond differently. For example, many people have not actually read the eyewitness accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John for themselves. Instead, their opinion about Jesus has been formed by the diverse opinions of other people, such as friends, family, the media. To make things worse and more confusing, some people claim to represent Jesus, but they're actually on their own mission. Such people modify the gospel message to suit their own agenda. So we get different gospels being preached. And then, to make things even more challenging, we have shifting cultural opinions about what is right and what is wrong. So some people now regard Jesus' moral and ethical teachings as offensive. That's the first reason that different people believe different things. The second one is that different people are looking for different things. A wise teacher, perhaps, or a life coach, or a servant of the people, or a spiritual guru. If they find what they're looking for in the message, they will respond positively. If they don't, they won't. Now, some people have said that the 21st century is a really difficult time to present the gospel, perhaps the most difficult time in history. But the first century church actually faced very similar challenges. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote about the different responses to the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. I'll read all texts. From the New International Version. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, 
both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God stronger than human strength. Now when the apostles and the first disciples preached the gospel, few people had heard about Jesus. What they had heard was often second-hand, because the formal eyewitness accounts were still being written and distributed. Those who were looking for a new wisdom to debate thought that the message of the cross was foolishness. Those who found that their lifestyles or their religious ideas were being challenged by the message found it offensive. So Paul's words on the gospel deal with the same basic issues that we face today. In the first century, some people thought that the message about Jesus was foolishness. The thought of a man called Jesus dying for all of our sins and then rising from the dead sounded crazy to them. Some people, like the Jews, found the message offensive. But others believed. They probably asked many questions. They probably observed those who were preaching and noticed that their lives were different in good ways. In the end, they recognized the power of God at work and they responded to God's call on their lives. And friends, the 21st century is pretty much the same. Some people believe that the message about Jesus is just a foolish myth. Some people think it's too good to be true, so it can't be. Some find it too offensive. Others find it too challenging to accept. But others believe. They probably also had lots of questions. They probably also wanted to see and hear more before making up their minds. But in the end, they realized that God was at work and they believed. I think there's a vital lesson to be learned from Paul here. It's this. Different people will respond differently to exactly the same message. Some may mock you for believing such foolishness. Some may be offended by the call to repent. Others may find it just too hard to embrace. And some will believe. There is one message but many different responses. And here's the big point, friends. The different responses reflect the state of the person responding, not the validity of the message. The different responses don't make the message more true or less true. If a message is true, it's always true. It's always valid regardless of how people may respond to it. So when you and I speak to people about Jesus, we can expect different responses, both positive and negative. Different people will respond in different ways, even though the message is true and life-changing. But I think we've all felt this. It's discouraging to receive negative responses. We want positive responses. So we may be tempted to 
change the message a bit so that we get more positive responses. Now, our intentions may be noble because we want to be more effective in presenting this message. But if we are not careful, we can fall into the trap of actually changing the message to suit those who we think will respond negatively. And sadly, many have done just that. Some people have become very popular. Some have made a lot of money by adjusting the gospel to make it more appealing. Here are just two examples, and there are many. Some people find Jesus' ethical and moral teaching too hard, even offensive. So, some began to preach a message that focused on grace and love and ignored Jesus' words on repentance, on righteousness, on judgment. This has been called the grace gospel or the permissive gospel. It's very popular because it doesn't challenge you to change your lifestyle. Some people find Jesus' call to sacrificial living far too hard. They don't want to pay a price. They want to be blessed. They want to receive. They, they don't want to lay down their lives. So some began to preach a message of prosperity, focusing on promises and blessings such as health, wealth and happiness and ignoring Jesus' words on sacrifice and suffering. This has been called the prosperity gospel. It's very popular because it promises great blessings and great benefits. Those are just two. There are many more modified gospels that have been developed, and they're very popular in some communities. The problem with this is, is that they are incomplete and therefore inaccurate. Because they present an incomplete, inaccurate representation of Jesus, they often fail to produce true disciples of Jesus. People are following some fictitious Jesus. An even more frightening thought is that some may even fail to lead people into salvation. This is what can happen when we are more concerned about the response to the gospel than the gospel itself. Let's make sure that we value Jesus and his mission more than we value positive responses. Now, that said, I'm not for a moment suggesting that we adopt an unloving or uncaring or judgmental or take-it-or-leave-it approach to those we speak to. The mission of Jesus is a mission of love. Let John chapter 3 and verse 16 remind us that the gospel begins with the love of God. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We were recently reminded that Jesus was called the friend of sinners. 
as his disciples, we should be that too. But Jesus also called sinners to repentance. And as his disciples, we should do that too. We come to people in love and we speak the truth to them in love. One final point for today. We present the gospel accurately and completely because this is what brings salvation. Our motivation is not academic. It's not to be just to be biblically correct and complete. It is to see people set free. Listen to Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Some may call it foolishness. Some may call it offensive. But the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So we proclaim the gospel, the good news about Jesus, because this message brings salvation. These are the words of life, eternal life. Having spoken so much about the gospel, I think the right way to end this message is to proclaim this gospel. I'll do this by reading the Apostle Paul's restatement of the Gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the Gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this Gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Friends, this is the essence of the gospel message. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried, but then he rose from the dead. His resurrection was witnessed by many people, more than 500 people, most of whom were still alive when the New Testament was being written. So this is a well-documented historical fact that we can trust. And all of this was prophesied and recorded in what we now call the Old Testament. Jesus did 
what many ancient prophecies said the Saviour would do. Now that's the essence of the message. This message obviously also has some background and it has implications. The basic background is this. God created mankind to live in harmony with him. But mankind rebelled against God, choosing to live life their way. This separated mankind from God. But God promised a Savior who would allow us to be reconciled to God. Now the implications. There are serious implications of this message. That a Savior has died for our sins means that we are sinners. And it means that without Jesus, we have a penalty to pay. A terrible penalty. So Jesus' actions demand a response from us. To admit our sin. To trust him as our saviour. And to turn from our old rebellious ways and follow him. This is the gospel. The message of the cross. To some it appears to be foolishness. But we should bear in mind that the foolishness of God is wiser than the greatest human wisdom. And those who believe in this message, for them this gospel brings forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with God, and a brand new life that will be enjoyed forever into all eternity. Let's believe the gospel. Let's respond to the gospel. And let's proclaim the gospel accurately and completely. This will see many changed forever. May it be so. Amen.